right, Curtis, I, I don't know what the deal is here. My Siri keeps going off. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to turn it off. I, I don't know what's going on Just over there. Just put, put her out in the hallway or something. Yeah, something like that. It. Something like that. Uh, she wants to be a part of the show. She wants to give her opinion on what's going on with the Lakers. Um, all right, we got our top NBA stories. Um, okay, Curtis, you know, I, I think this is interesting. So the next 30 days are going to be so big in the NBA, and they're going to be big because you have – Teams that think they got a shot to win an NBA championship, or at least be in the mix, and then you got other teams there that are pretty much going to say, "Hey, let's sell, let's give up assets that are expiring contracts. Let's just see if we can get draft picks. Yes, we can match contracts, but then that contract will come off the books. That could be incredibly, incredibly impactful if certain players end up on certain contenders." So earlier today, we learned that Victor Oladipo, uh, Victor Oladipo of the Houston Rockets, remember he was with Indiana, turned down a $45 million two-year deal with the Rockets. Um, he's looking for a longer uh, longer deal. He's finishing a four-year $85 million deal. So obviously what he's trying to do is, why am I going to sign a two-year extension with the Rockets? That's the most the Rockets can offer him, at least at this point. Offseason, go sign a four-year deal somewhere, um, or he could sign some some type of deal with the Rockets. So it could mean that he's another trade piece during the trade deadline. Uh, I love this time of the year. I really do. These next 30 days, they're fascinating. And like no other sport, I, th- I feel like the NBA, you just don't feel this excitement for Major League Baseball when they're coming towards a trade deadline or for the NFL when they're coming. NBA is a whole different... I mean, the NBA offseason and the NBA, um, the trade deadline, is it just me or is this just kind of by far when it comes to all these uh, all these other major sports? I, th- I think you're onto something. I mean, this is the... I agree with you. This is probably the most exciting kind of part of the season. This is where you kind of see people making moves. Because when you mentioned the NFL, they kind of do all their stuff before they start. Mm-hmm. And then the the wins kind of out of the sales after like yeah. week seven. But I think, you know, the NBA loves that drama. And I think it's a, you know, it's, it's exciting. This is this is when you make the moves. This is when you're playing 2K or, you're, you know, you're and you're trying to make your team better. And so this is when you, you find out who's staying, who you're going to move. And well, all that. And, and maybe NFL did take some t- some somewhat of a page because you know the these you had the uh the Matt Stafford trade obviously with uh with Jared Goff Carson Wentz um and then earlier today we saw uh you know obviously a big shift in the uh, in the NFC West so it's like maybe they're taking a little bit of a page from some of this offseason where things are getting a little bit more interesting but this is a good time of the year add Victor Oladipo to potentially another player that can get traded. Uh, we already heard about Blake Griffin. We already heard about Andre Drummond. What are those two guys doing? Are they just sitting out? I haven't even looked. I, I assume they're just not playing, which is, uh, I don't know, I think that's stupid. I think they should be playing. Um, but add that mix, and then I'm sure there's going to be names of players and teams that come out of nowhere that we're not talking about right now that get into the mix here, that think, hey, we're a piece away or a player away, and we're not making any noise about it. We're just kind of quiet, going behind the radar or under the radar, and they make some type of move. Um, okay, another uh, NBA story. You you follow at all? Have you followed the Sacramento Kings at all this year, Curtis? Uh, all I know is what I saw going on with Buddy Heald today, but that's about it. Okay, what, what happened with Buddy Heald? Uh, believe what was it? He hit his the thousands. Okay, youngest hit the thousand thousand three pointer or something like that. Okay, so th- this is what's going on with the Sacramento Kings. Yesterday, they blew an eight point lead late in the fourth quarter against Charlotte. 
I think there was literally maybe a minute, minute and a half left, something along those lines. So the Kings have lost 10 of 11 games. At one point, they had a nine-game losing streak, won a game, and then lost again yesterday after they blew that lead. There's some questions about Luke Walton's job. He's in year two of a four-year contract. I got a couple things on this. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, listen, I, I'm a fan of Luke Walton. I'm a fan because he was a Laker. Um, you know, even when he coached the Lakers, uh, you know, obviously we're rooting for him. We want to see his success. Ends up up in uh, Sacramento, and uh, I, I just think he's a good dude. All my relationship or any type of uh, interaction with him was positive. Man, I got to tell you something. I, I, I get so confused sometimes with some of these teams around the NBA. He's in the second year of a four-year deal. Um, is it just me, or do certain franchises don't let things marinate? They just are so quick to try to change things. And, and listen, Vlade Divac's not there anymore. That's who brought in Luke Walton. But we saw earlier today as well, Lloyd Pierce of the Atlanta Hawks, he was fired. I don't think it's a coincidence here that bad franchises go through head coaches. Um, honestly, I feel like every two years it's a different coach, and you never give a franchise a chance to really marinate and build something. It's just me. <laughs> or, I, I think or is there some a, truth to this? I think it's a part of this whole instant gratification thing. Because when you when you mentioned that, the, the first team I thought of was before Gruden went to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. The Raiders were cutting a coach like six months into their new season and stuff. And, you know, I think people want the results now because that's just the, the time we're in. But I'm definitely with you. I think it's a little – it's very rushed. And it, it does – It's nothing good comes out of it when you I, approach I, Listen, it this is – I'm not saying that – it's not like the Atlanta Hawks are playing great basketball. They're fourteen and twenty. It's not like Sacramento's playing great basketball. They're thirteen and twenty-one. We saw um, we saw Ryan Saunders get uh, fired maybe a week ago or so, um, and he went what was he forty-three and ninety-four in his tenure with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I'm not sitting here saying that here's a team with a head coach that has a sixty percent winning percentage. I get that, but a lot of the times it's not the head coach's fault. The organization has ran so poorly. The three coaches that I just named off, all three coaches were fired. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was the uh, Atlanta Hawks and the Sacramento Kings. We'll see what happens. You know, maybe Luke is fine and, and there's no issue there. Maybe he gets to play out the season, whatever the case is. But those three organizations are perfect examples of just franchises that have not been good for a number of years. And we always want to put the blame on the head coach. Uh, who's the CEO? You know, who's who's running the corporation? Typically, you'd want to fire these owners for making such you know, incompetent decisions, uh, but it always falls on the head coach. That's just how it works. Except the Knicks. It's always James Dolan's fault if the Knicks are bad. No, no, no. Dolan is uh, the blueprint of how an organization should be run. Uh, he's been amazing. Do, do you Have you looked at the standings, lady? Do you know where the Knicks are sitting? Oh, I do. That's, uh, that, that's what I've been paying attention to the most here. They're third in the East right now. So they're actually fourth. Fourth. Oh, are they fourth now? New York is eighteen and seventeen. The Bucks are twenty-one and thirteen. Brooklyn's twenty-three and thirteen. And Philly is twenty-three and twelve. So basically, right now, the New York Knicks sit by themselves in the fourth spot of the Eastern Conference. Um, I will tell you, I do not think that that's going to stand. I don't think that's going to stand. You don't they- think Rose and Randall are just going to go all the way to the finals? You know, I, I know that that sounds like. Uh, uh, an unbelievable duo, 
By, by the way, I, I respect the fact that they're in the mix, and that's all. You know, the Knicks are such a good historic franchise in the sense that they have an unbelievable fan base that's loyal to their squad, and you know, uh, certainly it's a uh, it's it's the number one market. So there's a lot of good that happens if the Knicks are good. Um, but they're run so poorly. It's kind of cool to see them in the mix, right? Right in that, uh, right in the thick. Here's the problem: Miami's behind them by half a game. Boston's behind them by half a game. Toronto's behind them by half a game. Um, and then I would say after that, okay, maybe they can uh, hold on to a top eight spot or something along those lines. Um, but I don't think they're going to have a better record than Miami, Boston, or Toronto. But if you're the New York Knicks, who cares? You're in the mix, and that never happens when we're halfway through the season. Um, anything, anything to give Stephen A. some hope. Want to see that guy smile once in a while? It's nice sure. to see him not not pull, pull uh, what's left of his hair out. So it's nice. By the way, I don't blame Nick fans, you know, for having the frustration that they have. What I don't understand, I've always said this. I'm like, why? Why do fans go to games? Just don't go to games. Don't support this guy. Don't support the ownership. Um, that's the only way you can hit him. Hit him with your pocketbook or hit him with his pocketbook. But. Uh, they go and they sell out every time, and the, the tickets are ridiculous, so he probably doesn't even care. Um, so Friday night, talked about this a little bit with Michael Thompson. Uh, Raptors didn't have six coaches and didn't have Pascal Siakam. And then yesterday, they didn't have the required eight players, so that game was postponed, the Bulls and the Raptors game. Doesn't it just give you a headache trying to think of how the NBA is organizing the second-half schedule? And how they're just trying to coordinate and figure this whole thing out. And now on top of it, you still got some more postponements. So I don't know how that's going to affect the second half schedule because they already came out with the second half schedule. And, you know, don't be surprised if don't be surprised if the Raptors don't play their final two games before the All-Star break. I, things like this are going to happen. I, I'm I'm wondering how the NBA eventually uh, you know, schedules everything because there's games now that are postponed after the schedule already came out. I, I think, Curtis, it's going to be impossible to get every team to play 72 games this year. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, that's what happened with the NFL at the beginning. You know, they were postponing things left and right. They finished out strong, but yeah, that's just... NFL uh, had a Wednesday game at noon. Yeah. I had no and idea was what was weird. going on. It was... It was we were prepping for a show once, and it was like the the late night game. It was, it was weird. I was watching, literally, I was watching, I think, a Pittsburgh game. It was, it was like Steelers-Ravens yeah. or something like that. I'm like, why am I watching Roethlisberger at 12-14 in the afternoon? Um, yeah, well, we'll see how it plays out. I know that the Grizzlies and the Spurs are already scheduled to play 40 games in 60 days. They're making up games. And, and you know, I, as I sit here and I have the NBA standings in front of me, uh, the Spurs, just as an example, sitting at fifth place in the uh, Easter, in the Western Conference – They've played 30 games. Lakers have played 35. So it's going to go by winning percentage. So, you know, certain teams, <laughs> certain teams might benefit from this. Um, but them just trying to kind of figure this thing out and uh, and finish it off and still games being postponed, I can only imagine what's going on in the uh, behind the scenes. Okay, last thing, uh, last NBA story I want to get into. So Durant is not playing in the All-Star break, uh, in the All-Star game, but he's still going to be a captain. Curtis, if you got the number one pick, the number one pick, if you're LeBron or Anthony Davis, I don't know who's got the number one pick yet. Uh, not Anthony Davis. If you're LeBron or uh, Kevin Durant, who are you taking with the number one pick? Get any player. Um, and it's got to be one of these starters, so obviously it's the top seven, eight players, whatever the case is. Who would you take with the number one pick? I, I got kind of a no-brainer for me who, who I would take. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. I've been so out of the loop, honestly, but it's – I think I got the guy. 
Who is it? Let's hear it. I think no question about it. Before Steph, before Kyrie, which I don't even know why. How's Kyrie starting? I'm sorry. What what the, what has that guy done this season where he should be a starter in the All Star game? That's just me personally. Um, out of all these starters that are out there, Derek Rose, Embiid. <laughs> uh, I think Embiid is no question about it. That's the guy uh, that I would take with the number one pick. So if you're LeBron James or KD is now going to be selecting, still going to pick, even though uh, Jason Tatum is now coming into the uh, starting lineup and. Uh, I think Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis of the Indiana Pacers is going to take his place. I think I'm going with Joel Embiid. Okay, that's our top NBA stories. Uh, By the way, um, quick shout out here. Harris Resort, Southern California. Pack your victory dance and go all in on fun at Harris Resort SoCal. From dining to unwinding, fun is a sure bet at the best resort in Funner, California. Uh, If you're looking for a place to go, you want to get out of L.A. for a couple of days um, you just want to break from, you know, obviously everything that's gone on. It's been tough to travel. Everybody knows that. Harris Resort, Southern California. I've been there a couple different times. What a beautiful place. By the way, they got now the uh, Top Golf uh, Swing Suite. So that's going on over there. Um, 50 table games, 1,600 slots. Are you game for a getaway? Start planning your trip by visiting harrissocal.com. When we come back, uh, we'll spend some time talking about. I think this is a this is an interesting topic for me personally. I know I I've, I feel a certain way about it. Um, do you think the NBA should change the logo? Uh, obviously, the logo is Jerry West. Kyrie Irving had some interesting comments uh, last week. He posted on Instagram, and then in a post interview, uh, backed it up even more. Do you think the NBA should change the logo? Uh, let's talk about that when we come back. And there's uh, one specific player in mind that. Uh, A lot of these players currently in the NBA would like to see represent uh, the NBA. Stay right here. This is uh, Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, we got uh, Mike Bresnahan coming up at 8.30. uh, Covers the Lakers on Spectrum Sportsnet. So uh, looking forward to that conversation. Um, So this was was part of the chatter the last couple of days. Um, So Kyrie Irving put out a post on Instagram basically making a case that he wants the NBA to change the logo from Jerry West to Kobe Bryant. And this certainly kind of starts a conversation. I brought it up yesterday to Michael Thompson. I'll give you guys my thoughts on it as well. Um, But Kyrie in his post says, got to happen. I don't care what anybody says. Um, He also said, I think in one of the uh, post games, I think it was after uh, he posted it, he said, it's just a refresher that this is the guy for us. He's the guy for me. He's my mentor more than just an inspiration. I took a lot of knowledge and wisdom from that guy. Uh, he also said that um, he's always around me and uh, Gigi's always around me. We want to set a standard and precedent. This is excellence. Kobe Bryant logo. Yes. Okay. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of people that you know have their own opinion on this. Um, uh, here's a perfect example. Michael said yesterday, Michael Thompson in the pregame show, and I always, I always enjoy having these types of conversations with Michael because, 
you know, he, he comes from such a different era and he's got so much knowledge on things uh, outside of the NBA. But just speaking of the NBA, um, you know, he played with so many greats, played against so many greats, grew up watching a ton of these greats. So I can't talk about certain players because, yeah, I might look and say, oh, yeah, Wilt Chamberlain did this. But I, I don't wasn't you know obviously around watching Wilt games or anything along those lines. Uh, Bill Russell, just kind of go down the list of some of these greats. Jerry West obviously falls into one of those categories as well. Um, uh, his exact post, by the way, by Kyrie Irving, got to happen. I don't care what anyone says. Black Kings built the league. So what Michael said yesterday was he feels like it would be kind of disrespectful to Jerry West, right? Disrespectful by changing the logo and it would almost be almost in the sense of like brushing off Jerry West. Um, he also said, well, if it's not going to be Jerry West, how about Bill Russell, who, who's got the most NBA championships in history? How about Michael Jordan, because of, uh, you know, considered the greatest NBA player of all time? I get all that. Um, and then those are incredibly fair arguments to make. But what I'll, I'll say is this, you know, I, I kind of look at this a little bit differently. There's a lot that goes into why you would change the logo. I do feel there's a lot of, you know, folks from the last, been watching the NBA for the last 20, 30, 40 years, whatever the case is. Um, not everybody's going to obviously relate to Jerry West. Jerry Jerry West is specific to an era. Um, and, and his greatness still lives on today. I, I've, I say this all the time. He's the greatest executive in the history of, uh, of the NBA and arguably the, the greatest executive in the history of sports. Uh, I guess he said in an interview in 2017 that he almost was embarrassed to be the logo, but he's also a very incredibly humble person, and that's just who he is personality-wise. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. I will, I will tell you, I'm okay with if it was to change – and Kobe Bryant is the silhouette. He is the logo of the NBA. Um, it's not only going to be uh, because Kobe Bryant gave 20 years to the NBA. That wouldn't be the only reason why. And it wouldn't only be the reason of the five NBA championships and everything else that comes with what Kobe did when he was an NBA basketball player. I do think the players in today's game, that's their version of Michael Jordan. That's their guy. Um, Kobe Bryant to them is what Michael Jordan was to the generation prior. Um, that's that's how a lot of these players think uh, when when they think of Kobe Bryant. But I also think you know it, it does also come into play of remembering Kobe Bryant because of the tragic accident um, where he passed away at age forty one. So I I think there is a way of remembering him that is a big piece of that as well, and that, that's probably. A lot of the conversation, like somebody like Kyrie Irving or some of these other players would make to change the logo, is this is a great way to remember one of the greatest to ever play the game, and you know, of course, tragically passed away a little bit over a year ago. Um, if you're asking just me personally, I like the idea. I, I do think it would be um, an incredible way to um, remember one of the greats to ever do it. And it's a constant reminder. And I also think it's, uh, you know, I guess the right way to put it, it's like it's an updated thing to do. Uh, Jerry West, if I think he's been the logo since 1969, okay, that that sits, that's 50 years of Jerry West being the logo. It's okay to, you know, change it 50 years later. 
Um, and, and that's and it's not to show disrespect to other greats. Uh, I think the circumstances obviously uh, it's different, but it's not to show disrespect to Jerry West or Bill Russell or Michael Jordan or any of these other players. So when I hear Kyrie Irving try to make the case, I listened because I thought it was interesting and I kind of understood why he was making the case that he was. And I think there are other players out there that feel the same way. Now, there's also probably more from an old school generation that says, no, no, I, I don't want to see that change. Maybe even younger people as well. Um, but me personally, yeah, I, I, I would be okay with it. I actually encourage it, and I like the change, and I think it made for a good conversation. I think a lot of people were certainly chiming in on that. Okay, um, I want to play something from earlier today. So Kendrick Perkins was talking about the Lakers' win, uh, and Curtis, I think I could play it from back here, was uh, talking about the win over the Golden State Warriors and just how big the win is. Let, let Kendrick Perkins kind of give his opinion on this. Well, it's very important, Green. And let me tell you this. Every chance that LeBron James gets to put the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry across his lap and give them a spanking, he's going to do just that. But Dennis Schroeder has been the key. This guy gives them swagger. Yes, LeBron and Anthony Davis are the best players on the team, but he is the heart and soul of this team. He picks up 94 feet. He brings that defensive tenacity. He, on the offensive end, he is the other guy that can create for himself and create for others. So the biggest thing for the Lakers, not just last night, but, but the game before that, is getting Dennis Schroeder back. He gives them that swagger. All right, that's Kendrick Perkins right there. Absolutely he does. Why wouldn't he give him that swagger? I mean, that's such a big critical piece of the Lakers, and we didn't have him for four games. You were you know, you know, were going to a fight, and um, it just wasn't going to work. You didn't have the right weapons in the, uh, in the fight that you were going uh, up against the Nets and the, uh, the Miami Heat, the Wizards. I say the Wizards. I, I hate saying that one because uh, it's the Washington Wizards. In uh, the Utah Jazz – you didn't have the the amount of weapons that you truly, truly needed. I do think these last two wins should say a lot about Dennis Schroeder and should say a lot about the Lakers. We don't have to be – we could even not have Anthony Davis and take down two playoff teams. Um, the Warriors playing good basketball, but they're, of course, not the Warriors. And let's also pump the brakes a little bit on Portland. No C.J. McCollum, no Yusuf Nurkic, and no Zach Collins. So they're obviously beat up as well, but Lakers took care of business. Now you got two games left. Two big ones coming up. I mean, I, I can't wait for the game tomorrow against the Phoenix Suns. Um, I think the game against Phoenix tomorrow has got uh, all the making of a great 48-minute battle against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So we'll see how Lakers do in that one. I want to play one other thing here. Um, Jalen Rose from earlier this morning as well. Um, you know, it, it is kind of this is what happens things will kind of uh, will change quick. The script can change quick when you start winning some games again. Here's Jalen Rose uh, talking about where the Lakers are as title favorites, where LeBron is as MVP. The MVP conversation keeps getting thrown around. And I love James Harden, for example, as much as the next person. And I'm a fellow lefty. But to me, it's so disrespectful when I hear people say that he's the MVP of the league, like they're not watching LeBron James play basketball this year. Mm. He's played every game. He's leading the Lakers in so many different categories. 
AD's been in and out. We see once he get a little help with Schroeder, he's even now having the energy to play defense. Kyle Kuzma tweeted yesterday that LeBron James should be in a conversation for all defense. And so it just frustrates me as a voter when I see people ignoring the entire body of work. People, if somebody's going to win the most valuable player and it's only been 30 games played, you can't take nine of them off in Houston. That's not how this works. Hmm. So that's what I see from the Lakers. Once they're healthy, they're the clear-cut favorite. This should be a two-horse race for MVP. should be LeBron and Joel Embiid to this point of the season. Uh, and we'll see how things play out. I, I don't know how much record will have an impact. We'll see, obviously, when Anthony Davis comes back. Um, but it should just be a two-horse two race. I, I actually have not spent any time thinking of James Harden as one of the potential candidates for MVP. No, thank you. I, I, I think that's uh, yeah, that shouldn't even be a conversation. That's not saying that he's not having a good season with Brooklyn since he got traded there, uh, but he should not be a part of the conversation. Okay, uh, Mike Bresnahan, he's coming up next. Brez, of course, uh, is a Laker analyst for Spectrum Sportsnet. I'll get uh, Mike Bresnahan's thoughts on the Lakers' final two games before uh, the pre or before the preseason, before the second half of the uh, season, and we get to the All Star break. Got a lot of good stuff to get into with Brez. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you guys want to be a part of the show, eight forty five, I'll answer some more calls. Eight seven 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 ten ESPN. This is Lakers Talk on seven ten ESPN. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. I want to welcome in Mike Bresnahan, Laker analyst for Spectrum Sportsnet, taking some time here uh, to join the show. What's going on, Mike? Thank you for doing this, bud. How are you? Uh, Alan, uh, always excited to come on your air, especially this week. There is lots to talk about. Lakers, one, we're on a little winning streak here. Little Finally. Two game. So we got some good news coming up, right? little two-game winning streak. You know, actually, actually it's a, that's a perfect way to kind of start it because – um, I know when the Lakers had lost four games in a row and uh, a lot of people are looking at the Lakers, well, what's going on with them? How come they're not able to win? Of course, you and I both know Dennis Schroeder, Anthony Davis, so, so such key pieces. What do you kind of take away from the last two weeks for the Lakers where they struggle and then these last two games against Portland and Golden State, they look they look fantastic with Schroeder back? <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of hand-wringing last week for sure. Um, Laker fans kind of ranging from you know, mild annoyance to maybe like uh, <laughs> abject panic, right? Uh, Four-game losing streaks, not really something that the, the franchise is used to with both uh, AD and LeBron, but the last two games uh, really impressed by the defense. And that really is, once again, going to be a hallmark of this team. I mean, the fact that they're holding Portland mm-hmm. uh, below 100 without Anthony Davis. You know, same thing last night, holding a, a good, another good offense under 100 with no Anthony Davis. I mean... This team really is going to be centered defensively. And I think the last two games in particular, the return of Dennis Schroeder. Uh, I know he didn't do much on offense um, last night, but uh, just defensively so feisty, uh, so, such an antagonist on the perimeter for opposing uh, point guards. Uh, just a, a joy to watch uh, here with the Lakers. Mike, is do you think his value over these last couple of weeks has um, not having an – 
not having him in the lineup and then seeing him and how quickly kind of things changed for the Lakers. I, I know there was already a tremendous amount of value in his skill set, what he could bring to the table, but do you look at him a little bit differently now? Do you kind of say to yourself, man, this guy can be uh, such a such a critical piece on both sides of the floor, and of course, not having Anthony Davis, um, his value uh, goes up either way just because you know, you're missing the best two-way player in the league but do you look at Dennis Schroeder and his position his role in this team a little bit differently uh, based upon when he missed games and when he came back yeah no doubt about it and you have to remember a couple things um I really only saw him a couple times a year uh -hmm. you know you and I both are part of the, the sports media that covers the Lakers so we see every Laker game we don't see every team we're not like able to watch a ton of NBA basketball per se because we're always working Laker games Mm -hmm. So there's always kind of like, uh, whoa, okay, when you see a new player on the Lakers play game after game after game after game, and that's the thing I realized about Schroeder, his first couple games in the Lakers, he's a lot better defender than people give him credit for. He's not one of these big six foot four, six foot five guards uh, like a Dwayne Wade that's going to kind of bother you and, and, and be stronger than you and overpower you a little bit uh, when, he's, when he's guarding you. He is... He's, he's what, 6'1", I think he's listed at. So he is definitely much more of a, like an irritant, mm. a guy who's just going to not let you breathe. And he picks you up full court sometimes. Or he'll be there three-quarters court as you bring the ball up just to kind of bother you and, and badger you. And I just, I think that part of his, of his, of his game really struck me right away. And it, it's continued the, the last two games, even though he had a, uh, an unexpected week off, uh, he picked up right where he left off defensively. Mike Bresnahan, Laker analyst for Spectrum Sportsnet, taking some time to join Lakers Talk. You know, Mike, I, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the show, and I'll get your opinion on this. What kind of what kind of dollar value would you put to Dennis Schroeder in the in the open market? And basically what I'm referring to, obviously this is the final year of his contract. He's making about fifteen and a half million, and that's off his previous contract. Uh, I gotta, I gotta imagine Schroeder is going to be making. Uh, what, what, what kind of number would you put towards him? And it doesn't. I don't even mean it necessarily from the Lakers, but just knowing that he will become a free agent if that happens. Um, what kind of dollar figure do you imagine gets tied with Dennis Schroeder? I mean, Alan, you have to go right back to what happened last off season. You, you look at some of these contracts. A guy like Luke Kennard makes, uh, what was it, 16 million a year, 18 million a year? Jesus. That's kind of a, whoa, you know, type <laughs> of situation. And, and Schroeder is uh, obviously an everyday starter uh, for just about every NBA team. So he, he's got to be at least in that range. And does he get into the 20s? That's, you know, that seems a little high. To me, that's kind of reserved for, uh, you know, like, like a really, really good player. And I, but trust me, I know there's plenty of guys making 20-something million uh, this season that probably should not be making that much, but I think he gets close, you know, really in the, in the upper teens. And uh, I hope the Lakers retain him. Um, you know, I've already invested a lot of money uh, in this payroll uh, by signing Anthony Davis last off season, by extending LeBron, by signing Kuzma, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely not, um, uh, they're definitely not, uh, not spending, um, but it, it's going to cost more if they want to uh, retain a guy like Schroeder. And, you know, I, I hope they do it, but if they don't, it's, it's, it's understandable because there's some big luxury tax penalties potentially uh, awaiting them. All right, we'll have to wait and see how that all pans out. Um, Brez, competition so far, uh, just kind of getting a chance to see some of the elite teams in the West, some of the elite teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, what, what's your take on 
just some of the other teams around the NBA and the path to win a championship, do you, do you think it's a lot tougher than it was last season? I do. I do. Um, yeah, the East is ridiculously weak uh, yet again. It's been going on for 20-something years. I mean, Alan, I, I was talking to a guy in our control room. Uh, he's a Warriors fan. And he said, even with the loss last night, the Warriors would still be fifth right now <laughs> That's right. in the Eastern Conference. It's like these teams are not good in the East. Um, Brooklyn's second. I think they're the really, really the only threat to anybody. Uh, I, we're doing a top five on our shows today, and um, I'm not going to have anyone in there except Brooklyn. But, you know, I, Philly was fifth. And I'm like, forget that. I'm putting Phoenix in there instead. They play tough games almost every night because they're in the West. Uh, so, yeah, the East is pretty weak. Uh, Brooklyn will be a very tough opponent, assuming they do get to the finals and they don't all – kill each other over there um and yeah the west is just as strong as ever you know if you got to think a team like denver is going to turn it up pretty soon they're going to rise in the standings clippers obviously tough as usual utah the shocker of the year i mean they really paced at the lakers uh, a few games ago that that was a real eye-opener for me i've been kind of downgrading them because mm-hmm. they didn't really played a lot of tough teams and then they outscored the lakers by 42 points from three-point range and you realize this team this team's like the kansas city chiefs they can really turn it up mm-hmm quickly on offense. So, yeah, definitely a tougher path for, for the Lakers this year. Brez, did you take much stock out of that game against the Jazz? I mean, how much, like you're mentioning, plus 42 from the three-point line, um, just great ball movement. Uh, everyone's a threat to score. It's not like you could just key in on one guy, even though Donovan Mitchell's their best player. But with all that being said, did you walk away knowing that much more of the Jazz um, just keeping in mind, obviously, no no Dennis Schroeder, no Anthony Davis. I guess how, how much are you looking forward to these two games coming up in April where the Lakers will hopefully be at full strength and hopefully Utah is as well? Yeah, you know, I think, I think what you're asking is, will, will the Utah Jazz make the West Finals? I'm going to interpret this for you, Alan, all mm-hmm. right? I still think it's going to be Clippers-Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I just think there's too much experience, playoff experience on both those teams. And yeah, the Clippers have never been past the second round, which is a staggering stat all its own for a franchise that goes back to the, the 70s as the Buffalo Braves. But, uh, you know, Utah doesn't have much playoff experience. I mean, they, they were a first-round knockout last season. My thinking is you need to lose in, in a tragic way in order to really be a championship contender. You need to have gone to the conference finals or the finals finals and, and, and got your heart broken before you can really be considered a threat. And Utah just, just hasn't done much in the playoffs the last few years. Uh, sometimes you can put together a team magically like Lakers did, and they went from a, what, seven-year playoff drought to, to NBA champions. Not Utah. They, they, they haven't really uh, experienced playoff uh, uh, tragedy, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, we're just talking sports here. I don't know why I keep using that word. But I, I'm not a huge believer in them yet. Well, you know, what is interesting, Brez, and I know this is something that we're all going to keep an eye out, um, is if you look at the NBA standings, they may not have to face the Lakers or the Clippers until the Western Conference. So if it, if it's if it's Lakers-Clippers sitting at 2-3, and three, we might get for the first time Lakers and Clippers facing each other in the postseason, and it wouldn't be in the Western Conference Finals. So I'm sure Utah has an incredible amount of incentive to try and stay in that number one seed, and I, I think that's what they're playing for, right? I mean, you, you look at the Lakers and the Clippers, maybe every single regular season game is not that key, not that important, but it seems like for Utah, it's obviously critical for them. You mentioned, uh, Brez, you mentioned Phoenix a couple of minutes ago, and I want to go 
to that game coming up tomorrow. Um, I think that's a tough matchup. I really do. You know, of course, without Anthony Davis, Lakers have played two really good games with Dennis Schroeder coming back against Portland and the Warriors. But doesn't it just feel like that game means a lot to the Phoenix Suns? It means a lot to Chris Paul. They're a game and a half behind the standings of the Lakers. And uh, I, I just have this feeling that tomorrow will be a dogfight against uh, against Phoenix. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, this will be Phoenix's uh, biggest game of the first half of the season, uh, no doubt about it. You can even argue maybe for the Lakers as well, I guess, just because they want momentum going into the uh, the break, and because just a week ago there was so much uh, angst over you know are the Lakers going to drop all the way to fifth or sixth. You know, wow, they they lost four in a row. So the Lakers want this game just to get a nice push, keep that winning streak going uh, before they all separate after playing uh, Sacramento uh, on Wednesday. I'm really fascinated by what Phoenix has done. Um, they're not known as a, as a high-spending franchise. You know, the owner uh, has taken some lumps over the years for, for being conservative uh, financially. And it's a small market. Uh, you know, it's, it's not New York, Chicago, L.A., or, or some of the teams in Texas with, with big money owners. So you have to, you have to understand that. But when he traded for Chris Paul during the offseason, I, I kind of smiled. I'm like, huh. All right, Phoenix. Phoenix is doing something here. This is this is this is different, and it has absolutely paid off. Uh, they still have some holes, uh, not a ton of depth uh, on that roster, but you've got to like what they did. Um, I, I felt bad for Devin Booker uh, a week ago, but the NBA obviously uh, remedied that pretty quickly by by picking him to replace Anthony Davis in the All Star game. They deserve two All Stars. It's a very fun team to watch and, and a big game as far as far as big games go in the first half of a regular season. Uh, Brez, uh, final one for you, and I appreciate you taking the time. Mike Brezahan, Laker analyst for Spectrum Sportsnet, uh, joining Lakers Talk. What do you think we should expect in this second half of the season for the Lakers? Uh, How would you kind of look at it from pacing yourself, also gearing up for the playoffs, being cautious with Anthony Davis? I mean, how how do you think the second half of the schedule, as far as priorities go for the Lakers, how do you think that shakes out? A completely different feel from last season. Uh, and I'm not even talking about the bubble and, and the pandemic and anything like that. I feel like last season the Lakers were driven to prove that we can be the top seed in the West. Mm. I don't get that at all right now. And, of course, a lot of it has to do with Anthony Davis. He's going to miss, what, 20 games or so uh, by the time he gets back. Uh, you know, that, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. He's going to miss at least another week or so once the All-Star break resumes. And uh, there's just not that, that impetus. That, that, that uh, push to really get to the top of the West by the time the playoffs start at the end of May. Uh, it, it's just so different. It, it feels like a much more seasoned approach, a much, a much more veteran approach uh, when the Lakers are winning championships with, with Shaq and Kobe. And again, with Kobe and Powell, uh, after they won the first one, maybe, there wasn't a big push to keep finishing number one in the West going into the playoffs. It, it helps, no doubt. But especially this year, with, with really not much of a home crowd, even in a few months, I, I think Milwaukee had 1,800 people at, at their game the other night. There's just not a lot of reason to try to finish first in your conference, except for, as you so aptly pointed out, Utah definitely wants to finish first mm-hmm. in the West to avoid the Lakers and the Clippers till as late as possible. Well, Mike, uh, I greatly appreciate you taking some time to join the show. We'll have two more games left. Uh, I think tomorrow should be a good one. Try to close this thing out against Sacramento. Maybe Lakers can go on a four-game winning streak before the break, and then we'll uh, start gearing up for the second half of, uh, of the season. Uh, thank you for the time, bud. All right, Alan. I hope you enjoy your break, and uh, wherever you go, 
take it easy. Just right here, Mike. They're not going to let me go anywhere else. They're just going to tell me to come right back to the studio. <laughs> uh, right, come you... on. You deserve some downtime, Alan. You work hard. <laughs> you enjoy your time off as well. All right, Mike? All right, my friend. All right, man. Thank you. Okay, that is uh, Mike Bresnahan right there. Always, uh, always enjoy talking Lakers basketball with him. When we come back, a couple things I want to get into. Can't believe the show's almost over here. I want to talk about some of the Laker role players, some of these key contributors from the bench. I want to talk about Markeith Morris, what he's done uh, over these last couple of games, and just kind of looking, talk about a, a pro's pro, how he was getting some DNPs, and then here he is in the starting lineup and just being ready for the Lakers, and then we'll uh, continue to preview tomorrow's tough game against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, stay right here. This is Alan Sliwa, Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, if you missed any part of the show, ESPN app or on iTunes, just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sleewell. You'll get the full two hours. Dave McMenamin came on at 7.30, uh, 8.30. Just a few minutes ago, we finished up with uh, Mike Bresnahan of uh, Spectrum Sportsnet. So uh, good conversation, and uh, you could catch uh, all two hours on the uh, podcast. Um, okay, so to kind of round up the show here as we uh, – kind of come close to an end here. I got a couple things I want to promote. So coming up after this show, we'll do Lakers Talk on social. We'll do about another half hour on ESPN Los Angeles for uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, um, Periscope, Facebook. So we'll just use all these different social platforms and uh, the uh, the show will be video. So you could do another half hour Lakers talk. You guys want more. Um, tomorrow, Lakers taking on the Phoenix Sun. So tip off at 7 o'clock. So back to our kind of our regular time. They had an early tip off on Sunday against the Golden State Warriors yesterday. That was a 5 o'clock. So back to 7 o'clock, which means pregame show will be at, uh, at 5.30. Um, you know, one thing that I think stood out to me over the last couple of weeks, I, I think it, the, the picture is clear of who you could depend on night in and night out and who you can't. So I think there's certain role players who can be key contributors, but you can't depend on them um, on a night in, night out basis. That's what I learned when Dennis Schroeder was out, when Anthony Davis was out. There's a reason why certain guys are just role players, and that's okay. Um, But I I don't think you could depend on Alex Caruso every night, Wesley Matthews every night, Taylor Horton Tucker, Marcus Gasol, Markeith Morris, Kuzma's maybe the closest one that has, um, he's been the closest one where you think, hey, he has the most amount of consistent nights compared to some of those other role players. But if if there's one thing that I've noticed, that's just, that's where those players are. And um, they're at their best when they're asked to do less. So, Dennis Schroeder coming back to the Lakers, I think, um, you know, certainly allows those players to be more than more themselves. They don't got to put up 20 points a night. They don't have to deliver every single night. Um, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis are the only four players that I expect to deliver every night. LeBron and AD are going to be on different levels. 
Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell a tier below that, and then the rest of the role players there. Um, I, I want to give also some quick love here to one of these role players. How about Markeith Morris? You know what? What a what a true professional. Um, and I'm not just talking about last night's game because he had a great stat line, but this guy had how many DNPs did not play in a row? And this was when when coach was trying to figure out, okay, who's the nine ten guys that I'm going to use on a consistent basis? And you had pretty much you started seeing that Markeith Morris wasn't going to be a part of the mix. And then he's asked these last couple of games, Lakers make some changes. Um, you know, that's one of the things I've respected about Coach Vogel, who, by the way, had a great interview earlier today uh, with Sedano, LZ, and Cap. And you could go back to their podcast and go take a listen to it. Um, but one of the things that I noticed, and I, I think this is one of the things that kind of stand out with coaches, okay, they're willing to try things out, try something. Okay, the Kuzma in the starting lineup's not working. Wesley Matthews, we tried that. No, no, let's go away from that. That's not working. Let's put Taylor and Tucker. They're not afraid to try stuff that are new. And Markeith's got some opportunities here in these last couple of games. Um, never complained when he was sitting out. And then he's asked to be a starter and he's ready to go. Um, I, he's actually one of my favorite players on the Lakers. And nobody really talks about him. And, and I understand why they don't. It, it's just he's not in, you know, it's not like his game. He's a high flyer or something along those lines. Or he's a really young player that you have this curiosity about. Uh, but I will tell you this. He's definitely got the respect from his coaches and his teammates, and you could see that when he's on the court. So uh, just a quick out to quick shout out to Markeith. Um, I thought he was great last night, but you know, he's obviously been a, a great teammate for the Lakers. Can can you just can you just imagine this for a quick second? How about his contract compared to his brother's contracts with a contract with the Clippers? Markeith Morris is on a one year two point three million dollar deal. His brother Marcus Morris is getting four years, $64 million. I'll tell you what, that's a no-brainer to me that the Lakers got um, you know, a, a great, tremendous role player at an incredibly, incredibly fair price. Um, you know, I, I just kind of look at both of those. I'm like, what, what is Marcus Morris doing for the Clippers that garners a four-year, $64 million contract. I don't have that answer, but I'm also not watching the Clippers every single night, so maybe I'm not the uh, the best person to ask. Um, okay, so let me point out a couple things here. The Jazz lost earlier today to the Pelicans. So the Jazz now have lost, I think, two of their last three games after they beat the Lakers. Um, the Nuggets won again. Uh, over the Bulls, and I just want to point out the games that have some type of uh, some type of an effect with the Lakers. If you're looking at best records in the NBA or second best, whatever, Sixers won tonight, twenty three to uh, they're twenty three and twelve now. They won one thirty to one fourteen. Um, Blazers are playing right now against the Hornets, and then the Nets beat the Spurs. So what is what do tonight's games the impact that has in the NBA standings? Tell you what. Um, Lakers at 24 and 11, Clippers at 24 and 12, Phoenix at 22 and 11. You have a about one game separating the Lakers at the two spot down to the four. And then it gets incredibly complicated after that. The Spurs, the Blazers, the Nuggets, and the Golden State Warriors, fifth through eighth, are separated by a half game. Uh, you want to put Dallas in the mix there, uh, they're separated by a game and a half. So, 
Um, the Western Conference, where in the Eastern Conference you may only have four teams that are sitting above 500 in New York at 18 and 17. Uh, I got to tell you, the West it's going to be a tough road for anybody in the Western Conference. But I still, I, I mean, I, I'm not overly concerned about some of these teams out there. You know, you look at the teams that are playing well, the teams that are struggling. Portland's lost four in a row. Um, we know the Phoenix is probably playing the best basketball of any of these teams in the Western Conference. They've won eight of their last 10, as have the Dallas Mavericks. They've won eight of their last 10. And then in the East, I don't think it's too much of a surprise because you thought these teams were going to eventually wake up. Miami's won six in a row, seven of their last 10. Milwaukee's won five in a row, so it's making the Eastern Conference uh, a lot more interesting as well. Um, Lakers taking on the Suns tomorrow. I said it once, I'll say it again. I think this is going to be a tough game, and I I am so curious to see how the Lakers close out these next uh, two games to get into the break. How great would it be? How great would it be if the Lakers can go on a four-game winning streak with Dennis Schroeder coming back to close out the first half of the season? Um, and we know that the second half of the season, the schedule has come out, and it's going to be a challenge, some tough games, two against Utah. you got the Clippers still two more times, Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee. You name them all, Lakers got them, and that's going to be incredibly difficult. But, man, it would be be huge. Get that game against Phoenix tomorrow. We'll see how everything else plays out. Uh, but that uh, that's going to be a good one against Chris Paul and Devin Booker tomorrow. Uh, L.A., as always, greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a great rest of your night.